Hello and welcome to the Moving Past You Radio Show. I'm your host, Juanita Gaynor, and I want to definitely welcome you to this evening's show. Um, Today we are discussing part two, um, the final part of our two-part series, Dangerous Prayers. And today we'll be discussing God Search Me. But before we go into that, let us go into prayer. Heavenly Father, as hard as this could be for us, we're asking you to search us. Search us, God, and know our heart. God, test our motives. Reveal to us our anxious thoughts. Show us anything that may offend you. God, We want to see in us what you see in us so that we can become more like Jesus. God, I ask you to search me. So, oh my goodness, like last week we started this series and um, I never usually have a problem with send me. That's a prayer that I pray consistently, but search me has always been a bane of contention for me. And I'm just going to just explain why. Because when you're asking God to search you, you're asking him to search your heart. You're asking him to reveal your fears, to uncover any sins that has been present, and then to lead you. And with this particular prayer, what is going to reveal, it's going to reveal a lot of things. It's going to reveal that the things that we fear the most is where we trust God the least. And the foundational scripture for this evening is coming from Psalms, the hundred and the hundred and thirty-nine Psalms, verses twenty-three and twenty-four. Now, I we'll be focusing on the New Living Translation version for this evening, but I like both versions. I like the King James version and I love the NLT version. So I'm gonna read the New Living Translation version first. And it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And in the King James Version, it says, search me, O God, and know thy heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So... When last week we discussed send me and it was, you know, being taking yourself out of an uncomfortable situation, not, you know, just moving and being flexible to the call, you know, to in order to do that, to surrender to him fully. Now, this particular prayer, um, I not that I had a problem with it. I had a problem with my own life where it was. And I remember um, when I first heard it, um, I was just like, well, I'm not going to pay too much attention to that. But I began to really be like, okay, you know, do I really want him to search my heart? I know what I think sometimes and I don't really want him to deep dive into that at all. You know, so... Again, we're going to deep dive into this equally dangerous prayer. And we're going to really take a look at David. David was a man after God's own heart, even in his, you know, trials and tribulations, even when he flat out failed and whatever, he always was doing things after God's own heart. Now, in the 139th Psalm, you know, 
David prayed this prayer after his enemies and God's enemies were on the attack and accusing David of having wrong motives. You know, instead of saying, no, 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 that wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. You guys are lying and defending himself to puff himself up. What David actually did was he prayed something. He prayed this prayer that is dangerous because when we ask God for anything, when we fully, fully ask him for things, he is going to deliver, man. He's going to really give you an answer for you, what you've asked. So you really have to be prepared for that. So what he did was instead of, you know, saying it wasn't me, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, my motives are pure. He did was ask God to search his heart. And see, it's the 139 Psalms when we're introduced to this prayer. Um, it'll read verses 23 and 24. It was as that's when David prayed a very, very dangerous prayer. He prayed, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offenses way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Actually, you know, we don't need to understand that we, we need to understand that without Christ, we don't have a good heart. Let's let's be real. The human heart is, you know, very, very wicked, very wicked. And that is really detailed in Jeremiah, the 17th chapter and the ninth verse. And the New Living Translation reads as such. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked who really know how bad it is. So we have to get out of that. Oh, you know, our heart is good. You know, <laughs> we, that's a really, you know, we say that commonly. Oh, she has a sweetheart. They had, he has said he had, was having such a good heart. And it's a very, very common saying, but actually we have a really wicked heart. If we want to be completely accurate, our human nature shifts us to do things outside of the will of God, outside of, you know, outside of him and more so into us, into our selfish being. That is what our natural inclination is. So to say, oh, they have a good heart. No, you have an actually wicked heart. And this for me was a hard thing not to accept, but to really grasp my head around because it was a term that I grew up with. It was a term that I use a lot. And when you take that, you know, onus off of just being or the facade of being good, you got to realize that, wow, you know, <laughs> we really need God. Because see, without Christ, our heart is not a good heart. We deceive others. We deceive ourselves. In fact, we're all liars. Okay, how many of us are liars? If you're listening on the broadcast now or you're listening to replay, I need you to raise your hand. And if you can't raise your hand, you're lying to yourself. Um, because leave them up. You know, and just think about what that means. 
And then if you're in a room or if you're playing this for a group of friends or whatever, I want all of you to raise your hands and I want you to look at each other and just stare. And remember as kids, we used to say liar, liar, pants on fire. Well, we all are liars. We lie. We lie. We lie. La, 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 lie. You know, I'm going to argue that most often the most common lie that we tell ourselves, we lie to ourselves. If above nothing else, if you don't lie to someone else, we lie to ourselves daily. I know I did for a very long time. And there's some days I slip up and do. It's acts I do. You know, (laughs) our heart is deceitful. We deceive ourselves. We don't even know how bad we are. Like we lie to ourselves like this. I don't need a lot. I don't need that much. You know, I'm only going to have one drink. I'm not going to have too many drinks. I'm not that full of pride. You know, I can't help it if I'm better than anybody else. This was one I used to use all the time. Like this was like my mantra, my thing, whatever. It's like, I can't do nothing if I'm better than someone else. You know, I don't lust. I just appreciate nice, fine things. I'm not materialistic. I just need nice things. I don't gossip. I never gossip. I'm just telling people so they can pray for all these people who doing these bad things. (laughs) Does that sound like any of us? I know it sounded like me. See, the heart is deceitful above all things. And we really need a dangerous prayer when we go before God and say, search my heart, God. Show me what is in there. Search my heart, oh God. In fact, I remember, oh, I remember the first time that I was truly, truly exposed (laughs) to this verse. I was about 21 and I was in and out of my ministry, um, still really searching things. And I hadn't really begun to deal with the gravity of my own issues um, as a young child and I was doing a retreat. Um, I love working with children and I was doing a retreat and the host pastor read the scripture and, you know, presented us a prayer to do. And I was like, I'm thinking in my head, I was like, oh no, I am not. I repeat, I am not saying this prayer. And it wasn't to be disobedient, but I was just like, you know, even though I understood that God was omnipresent, God was everywhere, I still believed that he didn't know everything about me. Like he knew stuff, but he really didn't know the inner workings of me unless I said something. So, I kept saying to myself, I am never praying this prayer because, you know, I really don't like so-and-so and and I really can't stand doing this. And, you know, sometimes I really, you know, do talk about people. I don't want him to know those things. So therefore, I was just like, I'm just not going to pray this prayer. And it was the host pastor saying, well, the benefit of praying this prayer is to be open and honest and create and craft your relationship and cultivate your relationship with God so that you can live in purpose because 
at the end of the day, he already knows what's in your heart. I was like, what? Really? You got to be kidding me. Like, come on. Like, come on. Like, really? You just saying that because you just want me to pray this prayer and you want to be me to be all exposed and everything. And he was like, no, God already knows what's in your heart. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows whatever conversation you just had in your head, he already knows. Because he knew it before it even made it to your head. Because it was in your heart. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, really? It's like, okay, I'm still not. I'm still not doing this. And I remember like when a couple of days and. I remember saying the scripture and I was just reading it and it got to a point where I was like, I knew I had some fears and I knew I had some things that I worry about and I knew that I had, you know, traumas, but for me to get to the other part of the scripture, I had to start at the beginning And I had to say, search me, oh God, and know my heart. I couldn't ask him to try me. I couldn't ask him to pull out my anxious thoughts. I couldn't ask, you know, him to tell me what was offending him before I asked him to search my heart. Because it's in searching the heart. It's the the process. It's just like you can't go from putting all the, it's like making a cake. You have everything together. You've laid out all the ingredients. You can't just put those ingredients in the bowl and do nothing with it and then just put it in the oven and think you're going to get cake. You have to go through the steps. You have to open it. You got to measure. You got to mix and everything. You got to do all the preparation work so that you can get to that final stage, which is the actual made cake where it's decorated and it's yummy and all that. So in order for me to tackle what my fears were and to understand what I needed to do, I had to start at the beginning. And that was search my heart, oh God. And I remember when I was praying this prayer and I understood at that very moment that this was going to be a real dangerous one for me. Because it was in that moment that God shows you the things that are in your heart that are not pure. Now see, We know what a lot of these things are. We know what they are, but we turn a blind eye to them. At least I did. I turn a blind eye to them because I think that I'm serving the greater good. And so if I don't be honest completely there, I'm not hurting that person's feelings and I'm not doing that. So therefore, I'm thinking that for the overall good, that is what we are doing. But that is not the truth. See, God doesn't do this to be cruel. He does this to bring us into a deeper intimacy with him as the Holy Spirit transforms us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, see, 
we have to understand that this isn't a prayer that you just haphazardly pray. This is a prayer that was going to bring you closer to him, much closer to him than anything that you can ever imagine. See, when David prayed, search my heart, he, you know, then he prays essentially, reveal my fears. You know, see, reveal in, in verse 23, he says, you know, search me, God, and know my heart, test me, and then know what? Let's, you know, let's think about that. He says, and know my anxious thoughts. And what makes me anxious? A lot of the times we don't even acknowledge the things that makes us anxious. You know, we just think, well, everybody has to, you know, worry about this. You know, what is that thing that makes you afraid? And I'm not, we're not talking about snakes and spiders and mice and, you know, bugs. And the man behind, you know, you know, the man behind the shower curtain in the dark, you know, the boogeyman, the thing that we make this whole big thing. We're not talking about that. You know, he, yeah, he may be there. <laughs> he's never, you know, you know, and all honestly, he's not really there. He's in our imagination. Let's be real. But if he is, you know, we can, we can get it on. <laughs> but that is not what God, what this is talking about and what makes us afraid. Basically, what he's talking about is what makes is what makes us internally afraid. What's inside of us makes us afraid. What inside of us makes us anxious? Are you afraid of losing your job? Are you afraid of not getting married by, you know, by such and such age? Um, are you afraid of not having children? Now, that's a big one for me. Both of those are big ones for me. You know, I am a divorcee. I've been divorced almost like, oh my gosh, like 15, 16 years. And I do, you know, have, I've had that fear. And it's, and it's been recent. So as you can see, like I'm very transparent with life overall. Like this has been recent. You know, I'm looking at, was looking at how God was moving me. And I'm just like, you know, am I never going to get married again? Am I never going to have any children? You know, I'm looking at the age like, oh my God, I'm going to be 45. And, you know, God is moving me in so many things. He's building, helping me build all of these things. And am I going to have somebody to share that with? So that for me is a big fear. It makes me afraid. And I'm not, afraid to say that. I remember there would have been a time that I would have never shared that, but I, you know, that's sometimes the last, in the last week or so, it's been a thought that has creeped up, you know? And so, and for many, like, are you afraid of being stuck in a marriage that you're in and, and it not getting any better? Are you afraid of the future and the unknown? Are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid of succeeding? That's a big one for me. That was a big one for me. I remember, you know, sabotaging my own success because I was afraid of it. You know, are you afraid of losing something or someone that you love and that you value so dearly? See, why does this matter? Like, why would you, we say, God, show me my anxious thoughts? You know, because I would say, because if we, you know, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Because what we fear 
the most reveals where we trust God the least. You know, and so if you're scared that your marriage isn't going to work, well, you're not trusting God with your marriage. If you're afraid of not being able to pay bills, you're not trusting God to be your provider. You know, what we fear the most is where we trust God the least. You know, God, you know, when this, you say God reveal my fields, test me. God shows, you know, us where our anxious thoughts fall. You know, every, I've started um, on a daily thing of having him to search me. Especially since I've been having the, you know, the fear of not being able to be with someone or not having a family. And so that is what I'm going through in this present moment. But it, it, it hurts it. And not, not the way you think it hurts because it really, when it says where you have the most fears, where you trust God the least, it hurt me that I didn't trust him to do what he said he was going to do in providing for me a family. But, you know, I was trusting him in all these other things. And again, this was about surrendering. It's about fully surrendering everything to him and not, and being anxious for nothing, you know? So, so I just know, I remember there's a point in time when I used to be scared of failing you know, um, but mostly, most of anything is I was really scared of succeeding. I was really scared of losing people because they would think less of me because I had grown beyond them or whatever, and they would feel that I'm leaving them behind. So I would just do things to kind of sabotage myself. So I remember when I was searching God for that and really surrendering to that and allowing him to elevate me. And when I prayed the prayer, just remove anything and everything out of my life that is not going to elevate you or elevate me to where you want me to be. And trust me, the, he, he moved it. He, he moved it out of my way. But also with that prayer came the, the end of a almost five year relationship and I wasn't ready for that. And hence where the anxiety over the last week has come because he has elevated me to such levels that's happening in the next, you know, 120 days that I'm like, you know, it's got me worried. Like, what's going on now? Like, I thought that this was the one and whatever. And so what it's showing me that's like I wasn't trusting him in the part of my relationship of him providing family. I was trusting him in just only certain things. And just to realize that you have to give him complete control. You have to give him everything. You can't just give him some of the things. It has to be all or nothing. All or nothing. You know, the third part of this scripture um, where it can get a little bit dicier for most and it's uncover my sins god see this is what david prayers you know i love the courage that it took 
to pray this prayer. He prays, God, see if there's any offensive way in me. Show me, God, anything about my life that is inconsistent with your truth. God, show me anything that I'm doing that's displeasing you. See if there's any offensive way in me. Because have you noticed it's really difficult to see our sins in the mirror? Oh, it's real easy to find everybody else's. Can you believe the way she walks? Like like she's all that. Look at him thinking he's just everything and all that stuff. Have you noticed that? See, we tend to accuse others and, you know, what we do with ourselves. We excuse ourselves. That's what we do with ourselves. You know, we we do this. I just have to do it. This is how I get through. It's not a big deal. It's none of your business. And the favorite one that we use a lot to justify what we've done, judge not least be you judge. Like, really? <laughs> I know I've used it. I know plenty of us have used it. You know, it is so easy to see everyone else's sins but our own. See, the heart, again, we're back to the heart, is deceitful above all things. The most common lies are the ones we tell ourselves. And this is why it takes tremendous courage to say, search my heart, God, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me. And this can be a game changer prayers you ever pray when you give God permission to point out any sin that's dwelling in your heart. See, there's three questions that have been really helpful when I was praying this prayer, uncover my sins, you know, and it helps with self-awareness. Um, the first question is to ask, what are others trying to tell me? What are other people trying to tell me? Basically, in other words, if you had three or four people tell you they love you, tell you they love you, I think you might have a problem with this. This is an issue. I'm a little bit concerned about you here. If you've got consistently people that you love tell you that something might be <clears throat> you, you want to pay a little close attention to, there's a common denominator here. And that common denominator is you. So pay attention. And that could be you drink too much. You you become, you know, I'm concerned about you because when you drink, you become very belligerent. You know, you become not nice and you don't, nobody wants to be around you. Or it could be you spend too much money. You know, you, you're, you always, you know, are struggling come the end of the month. You don't always have this. You're always trying to get to the next level. And you're always balling, you're, you know, borrowing. You're always doing these things. What what are you doing? It's something that you need to pay attention to. Because if these people who are coming to you, and I'm not talking about the people who are just trying to be haters. You're going to have those. But I'm talking people who you respect, who has your back, who has always looked out for you, who's had these concerns. I need you to pay attention. 
Mine's was your stress level is through the roof. What was going on? Because when I get stressed and frustrated, I am not a nice person. I My temperament is real short. I, I don't have the same patience that I have in working with things. I become very, you know, just nonchalant and flippant. And so when people say, hey, um, <laughs> what's going on? Like, are you okay? And usually one person will say it, and I'll pay them mind. But when two or three people say it, who I know have my best intention. And sometimes I'm going to be honest, when somebody who has never seen that side of me or that I can get there, say, you like, are you okay today? I see that you're not, you know, having a great day and things are going, you know, awry. I'm going to stop and pay attention because that means something's going on there. You know, another question that is a great um precursor to begin this prayer is ask yourself, what have I rationalized for some time? You know, what, what have I rationalized? In other words, yeah, this may not be right, but it's not a big deal. It's, this is just how I deal with things. This is how I cope. It's nobody else's business anyways. This really isn't hurting anybody. This is one thing or whatever. What is it that you rationalize? You know, I'm going to quit. It's not a big deal. What is the thing that you use to rationalize something that you know is wrong? You know that shouldn't be done and and you need to do something about it. But because you've become dependent on it, you rationalize the use of it. And then third, you know, where am I most defensive? You know, no, we're not going there. No, we're not talking about that. No, don't judge me. You know, I don't have a problem with that. Back off. I told you we're not going to talk about that. What are we the most offensive about? And that can be a host and a range of things. See, when we have the courage to pray, see if there's any offense in me, I'm going to make you this promise. God will point some things out. God will point things out that you've been trying to explain away for forever. God will point out things that you're trying to deny. See, you can't deny the truth. Denying the truth does not make it false. See, submit yourself to God and what he's trying to show you and then What we can do is, you know, have the courage when God shows us something to bring it to light. See, there's different types of confession. You know, when we confess to God for forgiveness, we confess to people for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness. Scripture says that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all the unrighteousness. But we also but we also confess to people confessing our sins one to another and pray for each other that you might be healed. We confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing. Let me help you again. We confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing. See, when we put all of this into you know, together, this is where it can point to. 
when you think about it in the overall arching thing. We're fake, so we're performing for people. You know, <laughs> see, I remember when it was back in the day, it was like, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to let people down. I want to live up to people's expectations. I don't want to be inadequate because I want other people to think I don't have what it takes. You know, when I'm doing stuff or whatever, I'm necessarily, you know, saying, you know, jokes or trying to be the life of the party. I'm performing for people. When you add all of these things up, you know, what I saw what I see from my life is that I've battled with living for the approval of people instead of living for the approval of God. How's that, you know, how is that, you know, disturbing? How's that honest? You know, a battle living for the approval of people instead of living for the approval of God is a torture. It's not encouraging for anyone And see, what does it do? It pointed me to the need for Jesus. You know, it pointed me to the need for his grace. It pointed me to knowing that my identity must be in him and not in what people thought of me. You know, our need doesn't always point us to the area where we must call on and learn to depend on Christ. However, he shows us, you know, yeah, I have an issue. I won't admit it, but I do have this issue. See, we need his power to overcome anything that we're going through. I'm full of pride. You need his power to be humble and to depend on him. If you got a lust issue and it's out of control, you need his truth to renew your mind and transform your heart. If you're materialistic and you love things of this world, you need to fall so in love with him that this world is not your home, but heaven is your home. Wherever he shows you is always points directly to our need for Christ. It always points directly to our need for him. See, This prayer takes courage to pray it because when we do, he, he's going to show things about us that you're just not proud of. I know I wasn't proud of them, but there's always grace. There's always grace. I'm just going to say this again. There's always grace. He's always shown me grace and he's going to show you the same thing. He's not going to leave you out there floundering about what needs to happen. He is going to reveal what he needs to reveal to you, but he is going to show you his grace. And see, then David at the very end, what did he pray? He prays, lead me. When you show me what I don't like about myself and show me what needs to be changed, Now lead me in the way of everlasting. Verse 24, he says, see if there's any offense in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me in the way of everlasting. When we have the courage to pray this prayer, you, you know, have permission, basically, you're, you're giving God the permission. 
let me clarify this. You know, many of us say, well, you know, God knows whatever and things like that. Yes, he does. But you got to understand God is not the type of God that just imposes himself on you. He has given us free will. And because of that free will, we get to choose when we allow him in. So therefore, even though he knows these things, even though he wants to fix these things, these things, even though he wants to do, make it where we are our best person, we have to give him permission to do so. Just like anything in life, he, when we decide that we're going to be open, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We've given him permission to come in. So until we say, God, look deep within us in the depths of this deceitful, deceitful heart and show us what we need to do. Test us, reveal the things that are going on in our thoughts that we're not trusting you. Show us the places, the very places that we fear the most. Because it shows me where I'm not trusting you. And if there's, you know, show me what the offenses that I have within me. You know, show me this because I'm, I'm tired of pointing fingers at people. I need you to reveal to me. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. And see, we have to ask, we have to give him the permission to do that. It's just like you going to the doctor. They're not going to just take you and probe you if they don't have your permission. They can write up your whole lab reports. But if you don't give them permission to do it, if you don't go to the lab for them to do it, then they're not going to do it. They're not going to come up here and knock down your door and be like, hey, you didn't take your labs today and, and just drag you. You know, that's that's not what's going to happen. We have to allow God to do what he does. So if we're not open to that process, he is not going to initiate it. Everything about our growth and our being when it comes to God, we have to initiate it. We We have to let him in. We have to know that he is love. We have to know that he has not given us a fear, spirit of fear. We have to know that there's no fear in love. But if we don't open the door for him, he's not going to come in. He'll knock. He'll let you know he's there. But if you do not open the door and allow him to do the things that he does, he's not coming in. You know, so let's get into some some questions, some deep dive and thinking about when we're thinking about this prayer. So I know when I have my alone and quiet time, these are questions that I ask myself. They're in my journal. And if anyone who's ever listened to the show or has watched devotionals, you would know that I am very, very big on you having a journal. So please, please get one. And it doesn't have to be a fancy journal. It doesn't have to be all whatever. Go and get you a five subject notebook. Matter of fact, the kids are going back to school. Go ahead, Walmart. I mean, trust me, 
this weekend, me and Walmart is going to be friends. I need some more notebooks and I need some more color pencils. So therefore, that's what I'm going to do. Like notebooks and journals are your friend. God uses them for me. I literally have a notebook for every project God has given me. And I brain dump in it. And then I have one big five subject notebook that everything goes in at any given point in time. That's the one that goes with me everywhere I go. I can be on the bus. I can be at work. I can be at lunch and God gives me something and I'm writing it down. So definitely, if you do nothing else, I need you to get a notebook. And one of these are a couple of questions and I will put these on the show's um, website And it says, one of them is, why do you think it's important to ask God to search you? I felt it was important for me to ask God that question because I knew what the purpose was. I knew, I knew deep down inside what my purpose was, but I wasn't understanding why getting to that point was such a convoluted experience for me. I I didn't get why I was struggling to understand and to see. Um, And so therefore, understanding and realizing that I had to not only pray this prayer, but I had to be genuine in praying this prayer and know and be willing and open and flexible to what was going to be shown. And a lot, again, A lot of the things he showed me, I knew. I just decided that I was going to turn a blind eye to them. But if you want that next level, that next out of experience, that next joy, the next place where he's taking you, you have to allow him to search your heart. He has to reveal all the things that you don't want revealed so that He can fix them and then put you where you need to be. You know, another one was, is why? And I created this one. It was like, why was I afraid for God to search me? And in all honesty, I knew what my heart was. I knew that my intentions all the time wasn't the best. I knew that I had ulterior motive a lot of the times. I knew that when I was doing things, it was just for my selfish gain and for no one else's. So therefore, I felt that if I had him to search me, I would then open up and have him see that. And I didn't want God to see those things in me, not realizing that he already knew. And for him to search me wasn't to, you know, amplify. It was basically for him to amplify what those things were and to allow him to fix them. See, that's the key. It was giving him the permission to fix them. And so also what was hard to hear about myself was that I am the most stubborn, critical person that could be. And even though I knew that I could be very critical, it it was hard 
for God to really show it to me in a way that I saw how it affected other people, how it diminished their light, how it made them feel, how it didn't uplift them. You know, I was so critical and I used it. I, how I used to justify it was, is that I'm helping this person. Well, it wasn't helping them in the way that they needed to be helped. It was really breaking them down, tearing them down. It wasn't, you know, helping them. You know, and how I was live, how I was avoiding hearing what this was is again, I justified it. It was like, I'm only doing this to help them get to the next level and build up to the next level. And most of us know the scripture that, you know, life and death lies in the power of the tongue. And so it was in this critical phase that I was going through in my life that I didn't physically murder someone, but I murdered their spirit. I murdered their soul. I murdered their, you know, desire to gain more because of how critical, hypercritical I was of them and their dream and their goals and what they wanted. And so when I asked God to search me and he showed me that there was a prayer of repentance that had to follow that. And the prayer also to, I was praying that they came in contact with someone else who uplifted them, who, you know, helped them to build, helped them to grow and wasn't as critical to them as I was, whose motives to help them was truly pure and that they are thriving at this point in time. See, that is what happens when you allow God in. When you allow him to do what he needs to do to build you, you see the people and the places and the things that you've hurt. And therefore you go through the process of asking God to show you and to help build you so that you can stand in the gap for that person now. Because I feel openly it's a responsibility of mine. It's like I may never see them again, but you know what? I know who they were and I lay before God to say, Lord, please direct them and guide them. Let them come in contact with someone else who has helped to build them and to grow them and to mold them. You know, and I know some people say, oh, well, you at God's forgiven you. Yes, he has forgiven me and I have forgiven myself. But as a child of God and knowing the power of praying, I needed to intercede because I did a disservice. And therefore, because I did that disservice, I needed to intercede on their behalf in prayer so that they become in the right path with someone who is going to build and love them and get them to that next level. So that they don't have to falter anymore. So that they don't have to deal with the consequences of my wrongs. That is what the prayer is for. You know, and when you really begin to think about this, this is a question that I want you to write down and have a discussion with others. About And the reason I say include others is because you won't feel like you're the only one that feels this way. 
you'll begin to realize that others have the same anxiety. Others have the same issue. And so when it comes to that, you can, the questions, I have three that are, actually great questions that you can use to create that openness, to create a dialogue to, you know, with others as you begin to start this journey. You know, you, you may say, you know what, you may not have prayed the prayer yet, but in your journal, you have these questions and you write the answers down to it, or you may openly have a conversation with a pastor or, you know, another congregant or a good friend, because it begins the process of you beginning to allow God and giving him the permission to enter your heart, to search you. So what I want you to do is ask yourself this question. You know, how does the idea of asking God to search your heart make you feel? And be honest. Don't do no fluff. This is not time for fluff. Not time for fluff. And I'm going to share with you when I asked my, when I thought about this for the first time for me, it terrified me. It utterly terrified me. Because I knew the things that I had done. I knew the things that I was capable of doing. And to ask him to really look inside this crazy little deceitful little organ that's within me terrified me. You know, it did. And I want you to be honest about why you haven't fully asked him. You may have skirted around it. But I want you to ask your question, what, why, how does it make you feel? And then once you identify how it makes you feel, I want you to ask yourself, is there anything keeping me from praying this prayer? And nine times 10, and, and not, it's going to be something that's keeping you from it. I want you to identify what that is. I want you to write it down. I want you to write all the components to it. Anything that comes to your mind, write it down. Because God already knows. It's in your heart. So before it even comes to your thought process, before you even lay it out, he already knows. So therefore, your minds will just be honest with them and just and put it all out and lay it all on the line. Another good question that I want you to write down and utilize as you're going through this process is, is there anything that seems to cause me um, constant or unnecessary anxiety? I remember when I first wrote this on the page, I had two pages filled with things and it was an eye opener. I was literally crying as I was writing it because these were things that I was going through and they were giving me anxiety every waking moment, even in my sleep, even when I didn't think I was thinking about it. It was giving me anxiety. And it was a load lifted because in writing it, and notice, I want you to write it. There's something about with your hand on a pen and pen to paper. I don't want you to record it. I don't want you to do. I want you to write it. There's a release in writing it. There's a comfort in writing it. It takes it out of the the mind and the soul and it, it gives it meaning. It, you can see it. 
You can understand truly. You can connect with it. So you must write it. And after you answer that question, however many pages it takes, mine's was just two. Yours could be 10. It can be a page. It could be half a page. It could be a sentence. Whatever it is, once you have identified what those are, ask yourself the question, how will you begin to trust God with these this fear or fears? And that was an entire notebook and a half. Like I, I did my anxieties. It was two pages long. And then what I did was, it was how will I begin to trust God with and whatever the anxiety was. And then I would start to write. And I did that with every single anxiety I had. And I finished out one notebook and I was halfway through another notebook by the time I finished. And it was just like, wow, it was burdens being lifted. It was God working through me and showing how he was working. Um, And the final question that I want you to put down in your journal is what makes you feel the most defensive? Now, whether that is a sentence, whether that is, you know, a bullet point, whether it's one page, two pages or 10 pages, whatever makes you feel the most offensive. And then once you do that, right, what do you think the Holy Spirit would say to you about it? And again, whatever, how many ever you've numbered, I want you to start a new page with, you know, the what I think the Holy Spirit would say about whatever this being, whatever you being defensive about and write. You will be amazed at when God just pours into you, you, you and writing is just this unadulterated way of where he pours into you and he just gives you insight Because again, when you're answering these questions, when you're asking these questions, you have given God the permission to show and guide you. So you ask for the preparation for this prayer. You're preparing to pray this prayer. You are. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path to everlasting life. Search my heart, reveal my fears, uncover my sins and lead me to the way that is everlasting. And remember what we fear the most It reveals where we trust God the least. Where we fear the most is where we trust God the least. So let us stop lying to ourselves. 
let us stop denying that the truth doesn't, you know, that truth, denying the truth doesn't change the facts of what we're going through. You know, discover where God wants you to be, needs you to be, and is praying for you to be. Yeah, search me is a dangerous prayer, but it's a prayer that covers things on such a level that when it's done, and and, and I'm going to show you this again, when it's done, it's going to be amazing. But also understand that this is not a one and done prayer. You're going to pray this constantly throughout your walk. Constantly throughout your walk. You know, <laughs> you it, it's not going to be like, oh, I just prayed this prayer in 2006 and I'm still living on that. No. Again, when you have the courage to pray this prayer, you have given God permission to look deep into the depths of your soul, to show you, to test you, to reveal to you, to lead you, to show you every place that you fear. And that you are no longer pointing the finger at anyone. You're letting God reveal to you what you need to hear, what you need to do, and how you need to work. I want to thank you for listening and joining us this evening for um, the Moving Past Your Radio Show. Um, be sure to definitely visit us on our Facebook page um, to join this conversation, to access the show notes and get awesome bonus content, but also specifically to go ahead and get these questions. I will be posting these. They will be up by noon on tomorrow so that you will be able to really start your journal, really get into the deep dive so that you can begin to prepare to pray this prayer. I believe it's a foundational prayer that will get you to the next level. And then you'll be able to say, send me, I'll go. You know, also, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, you can just search moving past you and you'll be able to subscribe and you'll be notified of any, you know, new um, content that we put. Also, starting next week, this is the last Thursday in September. I mean, in August, and we are jumping right into September. And so September, we are starting a four-week series. Well, I'm starting a four-week series on character under construction. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Again, we are coming in a point in a time and a place where we have to identify what those things are and we have to begin to build so that we can build the kingdom of God the way we need to build the kingdom of God. So join us next Thursday at 7 p.m. as we embark on the four-week series series character under construction again thanks so much for listening always remember to be kind in your word in your thought and in your deed be blessed have a wonderful wonderful evening wonderful holiday weekend and we'll see you next week at the same time love you a lot be blessed good night